What's the worst pick you saw yesterday? I mean, Chris Thompson going in the ninth round, pretty <laughs> egregious. Um, shout out to Jared. Yeah, and also shout out to Jared for not having the teams up yet, so it's kind of hard <laughs> to remember the teams exactly based on memory and where everybody went. And I didn't take a picture of the draft board, which I probably should have done, but <clears throat> yeah, I mean, Chris Thompson in the ninth round. Who else? I mean, Dee Westbrook, I think, went kind of high. The worst pick, I think, to me that stood out, and we're talking about our annual home league draft all-star done with some of our, our close friends, and the worst one to me, I think, was Cortland Sutton in the third round. Oh. <laughs> Ahead of, like, Allen Robinson, Juju, oh, like, oh my god. Yeah, I mean, I got Allen Robinson in the fourth round, which I think is incredible value, but... That was a pretty terrible pick as well. He should never go that high. He's going in the fifth and sixth round. And, I mean, that's what you get with home leagues, right? You get, you know, the two or three people that might have done research. But then you get the other eight people that are playing video games before the draft. Don't give a fuck just ready to burn their $100 and have no shot at the trophy. Playing Wii Bowling <laughs> and then five seconds later printing out the ESPN yeah. rankings. <laughs> <laughs> Literally playing MLB. And then they go upstairs, go to the printer, ESPN Top 300, draft based off that. How, how could you lose? <laughs> What's going on, everybody? Welcome to episode 86 of the DFS Dose Podcast, your fix of daily fantasy sports information, strategy, and analysis. I'm your host, Ben Hover, as always, joined by Joey Carrion, and today we are here with our final off-season podcast. Yes, football is here. A few short days from now, we will be fully previewing the week one slate. Extremely excited for that, but we just wanted to take today to give, you know, some final off-season thoughts, maybe a few bets that we like that we didn't really get a chance to talk about during our series of best ball centric videos. We also did our last episode, episode 85 on an intro to NFL DFS. So if you're looking to attack these upcoming slates for the first time, you could definitely find some interesting information there. Joey, can you tell the people how they can support the podcast before we get into some of these bets that we like for 2020? As always, you could support the DFS Dose by subscribing or following us on every major podcast platform, which includes Apple Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, Podcast Addict, and Stitcher, just to name a few. And then you can leave a rating and review if you're feeling generous. And then you can also follow us on Twitter at the DFS Dose. Our YouTube channel is also the DFS Dose. And then you can go ahead and check out the website, thedfsdose.com, where we're going to be putting some DFS-centered content. So that is the best way to support us. And I'm just hyped that football is finally here. It's been a long offseason, Ben. Oh, it has been. And, you know, it's been one where we've been thinking, you know, is it going to happen? Is it going to be a shortened season? Like, but you know, everything is on track. Like it started off shaky, but the way things have gone, I mean, I don't know. Yeah. I'm feeling good about it. 
I mean, NBA's on, MLB's on, college football just started. Now it's time for, for the big daddy to start, the NFL, mm. and I'm, I'm hyped. Yeah, I am as well. Before we get into some of these bets that we like, Joey, real quick, some news broke, I think yesterday maybe, or, or maybe two days ago at the, at the at this point, but Adrian Peterson to Detroit. How do you feel about that? I mean, I should ask you how you feel about that as a resident Lions fan uh, of mm. the DFS Dose. Well, I mean, I feel like it's being misinterpreted on Twitter. Like, I feel like... Like it's being looked at as a major knock to DeAndre Swift's value, which I can see like, yeah, obviously you don't want anybody being added to a backfield, making it a three-man backfield for a player you like. But at the same time, I think that it's more of an indictment on on Johnson than it is on DeAndre Swift, especially considering, you know, reports out of Detroit have been that on has been wearing a knee brace all throughout practice. He's not missing practice per se, but he has had this knee brace on you know, they invested a second round pick in DeAndre Swift. I think that the Lions are showing us through their actions that it's that carry on's future in Detroit is, you know, questionable at best. So I get it. You know, the Lions saw AP tear them a new one for years and years and years when he was with the Vikings. So I mean, I get it. You know, I'm sure he will offer some good depth for them, but I don't expect him to have much of a role. Like I wouldn't draft him. And I think that the best way to attack this news is just you know, draft DeAndre Swift at a discounted price if you have that opportunity. Yeah, and I think he ended up going in like the sixth or the seventh round in the all-star draft, which I thought was one of the best picks in that round, Mm -hmm. especially if you can get him at that discount with a washed up Adrian Peterson. But speaking on the other side, in terms of the Washington football team, Antonio Gibson is going to be the starter. I'm guessing maybe it's a Peyton Barber starts type of gig but then Antonio Gibson plays the majority of snaps honestly we don't know at this point but I went against you know my all my morals I went against everything I I believe in and I drafted Antonio Gibson yesterday it wasn't the ninth round so it wasn't in the sixth or seventh it wasn't the ninth round but I feel dirty I feel ashamed (laughs) and I, I just don't know how to feel having Antonio Gibson as my running back three uh, in that specific team and in, in another draft that we did. Right, right. Yeah. I mean, the thing is, is he has the upside. They're clearing out AP. He's going to get some touches. It's just, and we'll talk about this for sure on our you know episode on Thursday detailing the week one slate. But I mean, Antonio Gibson is setting up to be just stone chalk on DraftKings. Mm-hmm. He's what, like 4K? Flat and everybody's going to want to play him. And, you know, we'll get into more depth about that but like that's a full fade in my opinion i'm sorry he is not coming out after getting like 75 touches period in his college career and then gonna get 20 week one touches in the nfl no shot yeah i i'm i mean we've talked about it on the podcast i've tweeted about it a couple times i'm not on the antonio gibson bandwagon especially if you draft him in the sixth or fifth round and i'm definitely not playing him on DraftKings week one as chalk i mean he is obviously the stone minimum that you could be for a running back this year which is 4k which should keep his ownership in check i will say but he's still gonna be chalk and i will be on the full fade train with you so i mean in terms of season long i don't hate it i still would like to take a shot at bryce love in like the last two rounds which you can do and you know just sort of bet on him being the best talent of that group which i think is is very possible you know we've been on that bandwagon for a while now and yeah i mean i'm not i'm not shaken i think that you know ap's departure 
benefits everybody there. And Mm -hmm. I don't see why, you know, Bryce Love doesn't get the same boost that Gibson does. He's just not as hyped up in the fantasy community. So Yeah, Antonio Gibson is that shiny toy that everybody wants a piece of. And, you know, it, it could work out. But I think with Ron Rivera's past, of playing older running backs past their prime, I th- I think people are misinterpreting the Washington football team's running back situation. And just from a general theory perspective, it, it, it they're going to be a terrible offense, and I want no parts of a running back committee that's going to play three, maybe even four running backs every single game. So Yeah, all. I think we said it months ago, you know, you could just stop it, Terry McLaurin with yeah. the Washington football team. And I think that that's still true. Too. And Logan so, Thomas. Don't forget oh, yeah, Logan fact, Thomas. Yeah. I, how could I? How could I ever? <laughs> um, all right, let's keep it moving. Joey, do you have perhaps a win total that stands out to you? We did this you know, a few months ago, but I figured we could check back in right on the eve of football starting and see what, uh, what stands out to us after the offseason transpired. So one win total that I've came around to is the Colts over nine wins. I just think that they have a solid offense and they also have a solid defense. They're in they're in a division that they do have some good teams, but they're also playing against the Jaguars twice. And they have the easiest schedule in terms of win total percentage in the NFL. So I'm starting to come around to the Colts over over nine, which would mean they would have to win 10 games to win the bet. And I guess I'm just betting on Phillip Rivers uh, will actually lead the Colts to more victories than Jacoby Brissett uh, with Frank Reich there, who is a solid head coach. So I like them over nine. I also like the Texans over seven and a half. I think that's pretty low for the talent that they have on offense and on defense. So those are two win totals that I like, but ultimately I would still pick the Bengals over five and a half as my pretty much guaranteed lock. I think they'll win six games. I could see it. I mean, they do play in an extremely difficult division with, you know, the Steelers there and, and the Ravens, obviously, and, you know, even the Browns to a certain extent being one of the more talent heavy teams, just a matter of if they can put it together or not. And the win total that I like the most here is the Buffalo Bills over nine and a half. You're getting plus money on it, plus 163 for them to win 10 games or more. And I mean, look, the Jets might be the worst team in the NFL right now. The Dolphins, not too far behind them. I think that they've got a lot to look forward to with the Tua era, but that is a ways off. Fitzpatrick is named the starter. I mean, he may only start for three or four games before Tua takes over, but even still rookie in a shortened offseason, I think that they could be a year away from being truly competitive. And then the Patriots, you know, you know how I feel about it. I know you disagree and you love their defense still, which I won't argue with, but I think this offense is going to be questionable, especially to start the year as we see year after year with the Patriots as they, you know, oftentimes sort of split games in September while they figure out what they're going to be for the year. And I think that that might be a longer process than usual in a new era with Cam Newton. So I think the Bills are the clear favorite to win this division. And I think that, you know, they they have a shot to really just stack some wins. They have a good defense. They've improved their offense, really solid coaching, and just a lot of congruity. So I, I really love the Bills. I think that 10 wins is right around what you should expect for them. And if you're getting plus money, you know, hammer that. Yeah, I mean, I, I like the Bills a lot as well this year, actually. And, you know, I'm not I'm not one of those fans that, 
that'll say like the Patriots, you know, are going to win the division, blah, 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 all that. The Bills have the most talented team in the AFC East. I've, I've said that um, the East is one of the worst divisions in football. You bring up some valid points about the Patriots offense. They do usually start slow. And with Cam Newton in his first year in New England and the lack of talent on the offensive side of the ball. I could see your concerns there. And the Bills did win 10 games last year, even with Tom Brady in New England. Uh, so I, I think the Bills over nine and a half is a very good bet. And I would bet them as well, especially if you're getting plus money on nine and a half, which is plus 163, like you just mentioned. So yeah, uh, I, I like that quite a bit. While we're here talking about wins, I mean, do you want to throw out maybe a long shot Super Bowl or not even a long shot if you like one of the favorites? I mean, I wouldn't pick a long shot team to win the Super Bowl. Like, let's say the Cardinals or the Dolphins or something where they're like plus 6,000. But I'll pick a team with decent odds and Tampa Bay Buccaneers plus 1,400. Obviously, Patriots fan over here, Tom Brady, my boy, the GOAT, um, <laughs> went to Tampa Bay with Bruce Arians. They have an array of weapons that we've talked about all offseason, so I don't really want to get into that. They have one of the best front sevens in the entire NFL, led by Ndamukong Sue, Vita Vey, Levante David, and some other great players in the front seven, and a young and talented secondary that could see improvements this year. So I would bet the Tampa Bay Buccaneers plus 1,400 to win the Super Bowl. Uh, the only caveat is they do play in a relatively tough division with the Falcons and the Saints, which could provide trouble. And then obviously the NFC in general is a much tougher conference than the AFC, in my opinion. So the road to get there is harder, but at plus 1,400, I like the Tampa Bay Bucks as a quote-unquote long shot to win the Super Bowl. Like, I'm not going to say it's it's bad, but, like, I can't believe the Bucks are, you know, have the fifth worst odds or, or the fifth most likely odds, I guess, to win the Super Bowl according by, according to these numbers. Like, that's a little crazy to me. I mean, I don't think that they're a top five team in the NFL right now, but I, I guess that it's also an aspect of, like, what are people going to be most willing to bet on, not who's actually the best team. And I know that there's going to be so much hype around Tampa Bay. They're definitely that team this year, and how could they not be with you know, Tom Brady moving teams and, and all the hype and the media around that's going to be mm -hmm. crazy. But I mean, I don't know. I still think that it'd be tough for them to, you know, come out of that division as the winner over the Saints or, you know, I, I don't know. Maybe though. Maybe though. I see it. They have so much talent on offense. For me, I, I like a little a little bit better odds on, I would take the Bills again here, you know, for all the reasons I just mentioned at plus 2,500, I think that they have a decent shot to make a run. And at the same odds, the one that I really like is the Pittsburgh Steelers at, at plus 2,500. Again, similar to some of what you're saying with the Bucks, they play in a really tough division, but I mean, plus 2,500 for Big Ben coming back into what should be a loaded offense with a ton of weapons and one of the better defenses in the NFL as well, you know, I, I think that they could make a deep run this year and and <laughs> the only thing with the Steelers is they'll have to beat one of the Kansas City Chiefs or the Baltimore Ravens mm -hmm. which is obviously a tough thing to ask out of any of these other teams besides those two because they're the clear-cut best teams in the AFC so that'd be my only issue with betting a team like the Steelers or the Bills but it, it like when it comes to playoff time anything can happen as we saw the Titans beat the Ravens last year in the playoffs I just don't don't know if they have the firepower to keep up with a team like the Chiefs when it comes down to it but I, I could see I could see why you 
would bet on them at plus 2,500 odds. It's pretty good odds for good teams like the Steelers and the Bills. Yeah, for sure. And then I guess the last thing here would be like a player prop or two if you got anything that really stands out to you. Yeah, so I have a rushing prop that jumped off the page to me, and that was James Conner over 775 rushing yards. Now, there is concern with James Conner as he hasn't played a full season in his career. Now, I will know his rookie year, uh, Le'Veon Bell was there, so he didn't really have much opportunity. But after Le'Veon Bell left Pittsburgh, he became the starting running back, and he started 12 games in 2018 and had 973 rushing yards and then he ended up only playing in 10 games last season and accumulated 464 rushing yards Uh, so there is concern that you know he might get injured or that he's injury prone but James Conner is a running back that I think is really talented Uh, I drafted him in the third round in all-star which I was surprised that he fell that far And Mike Tomlin is a coach that wants to use a workhorse running back. I don't put much stock into Benny Snell or Jalen Samuels. I just think those guys are pass catching specialists. But the thing with James Conner is he can catch passes as well. Uh, In that 2018 year, we saw him catch 55 balls. And he caught 34 balls last year in 10 games, which is a solid number, 3.4 catches per game. And I guess it's just an indictment on... That I think James Conner is a good running back, and if he plays a full season, which I will project that he will, I think he can easily smash this mark in a great offense with uh, great skill players like Big Ben, Deontay Johnson, Juju Smith-Schuster, which should open up some running lanes for James Conner, and the Steelers have a solid offensive line. Over 775 rushing yards at minus 110. Lock it in for me. It's one of my favorite bets. Yeah, okay. I I actually agree with you, and I thought that you getting him in the third round was one of the better picks of that home league that we were in yesterday. And uh, the, the player prop that I wanted to talk about is a man who you mentioned and, you know, has some familiarity with the James Conner. That's Le'Veon Bell, his former backfield mate who is now with the Jets. And I think that under 1,200.5 yards combined receiving and rushing is a stone lock for him. I mean, he had over 300 touches last year and finished with 1,250 yards. I mean, he his numbers are coming down. They just are. I mean, between Adam Gase and him beefing over whether or not he's actually injured, between the addition of, you know, 37, 38-year-old Frank Gore, who apparently has been running with the ones over Bell, like, I just think the Bell's numbers are coming down. I think they're going to be running the ball less because they're going to be getting smoked because the Jets have the worst secondary in the NFL right now. And I just, I I don't see it for Lev Bell. I think he's going to have a terrible year. And under 1,200 is like a stone lock, in my opinion. That's free money at, at minus 110. Yeah, I mean, I think the entire fantasy community is down on Le'Veon Bell this year. I don't think I've seen anybody tout Le'Veon Bell. And that just goes to show that Adam Gase is a donkey. Like, this is their best player on offense. Uh, mm-hmm. Now, you might consider him washed or, you know, he sucks if, if you think that. But this is still a running back that I feel can get the job done if put in the right situation. I mean, he's only a few years removed from being, what, like the number one or number two fantasy running back? Yeah. And obviously, we know his skills as a pass catcher. This coach is a coach that limits his players' upside. This is a guy who doesn't like Le'Veon Bell. He does, He didn't even want 
to sign them. This is a team where the GM and the owner signed Le'Veon Bell without even asking Adam Gase, essentially. <laughs> Adam Gase wanted to trade this fool, what, like last year? Or yeah. in the offseason of last year. Before he even played with them. Yeah, he didn't even want Le'Veon Bell on his team. That just goes to show you how much of a donkey Adam Gase is and why you should be fading Le'Veon Bell. The writing is on the wall. It's just up to us to interpret it. Great player in a terrible situation, probably in the worst situation possible for his real life and his fantasy outlook in 2020 and however long he stays with the Jets. I think the last one we can close this out with one. I mean, this is our last show, right? Uh, of the off season, technically. So it would be, I'd be remiss if we didn't bring up Darius Slayton, mm. whose player prop is set at over under 725.5 yards. Joey oh, stealing. Money. He had more than that as a rookie who played 14 games and barely played to start the year. What are these people thinking? Like Darius Slayton isn't a stone cold lock to go over a thousand yards in 2020. What are we talking about? I mean, here? they they must be part of the the Sterling Shepard and Golden Tate committee because Darius Slayton. We've talked about it, said it numerous times on this podcast. Darius Slayton is the goat. He's the best wide receiver on the Giants. He's the only deep threat that they have which obviously comes with a lot of upside with uh, Daniel Jones. And this is a guy who's going to get over a 1,000 yards easy this year, even with Sterling Shep, Tate, and Ingram there, if they even stay healthy. Sterling Shepard, he's a concussion away from being out of the NFL. And Golden Tate is an old bum. Like, what are we, what are we talking about here? You know, I don't know. I don't know. I'm just surprised because, you know, DraftKings is usually a company that I look at as, you know, being very successful and liking to make money. And this is just directly contradicting any any, you know, semblance of, you know, wanting to be profitable by giving away free money and letting us, you know, take the over on this. So I don't know. I mean, DraftKings, thank you for the free money over 725.5 yards, Dariusly and lock it in. <laughs> yep. Easy lock in. I think as a podcast, we have to bet on it. We have to put our money where our mouth is, especially on uh, Darius Slayton, as we have a lot riding on him this season. So, and and speaking of the season, Joey, it's it's time. You know, thank you for building the podcast with me. I appreciate it. You know, this was an awesome off season for us. I appreciate all the listeners out there who you know discovered us. We've seen our numbers growing, and like the support is great. And we're just really excited to you know both be putting out content that people are gravitating towards and hopefully you know we can help you guys make some money this year because that's the goal we're gonna sail to the money i'm winning a million dollars this year yeah it's gonna be lit uh just to put it in simple terms it's gonna be stupid lit that's a fact follow us on the journey follow us on the journey we will be putting out a ton of content and you can actually check our twitter uh, where we will be posting our full content schedule by the time this podcast comes out so you know exactly what mm -hmm. we're putting out every week and where you can find it Yep, for sure. All right, guys. Thank you for listening. We will be back on Thursday with our full week one preview. Super excited for that. And as always, like Joey said at the top of the show, you can follow us on all of our social media platforms at the DFS Dose, as well as subscribe to our YouTube channel at the DFS Dose and our personal Twitters as well. I'm at Ben Hover, B-E-N-H-A-U-V-E-R. Joey, tell them where they can find you. My Twitter is at Joey Carrion DFS. So go ahead and give that a follow as well. All right, guys, we will talk to you Thursday.